From savannahnow.com, I'm Adam Van Bremer, and this is a commute. Football edition. That's right. Very excited. On today's episode, two teams of intense local interest, the Georgia Bulldogs and the Benedictine Cadets, are in position to win championships. Two journalists, the Associated Press's Paul Newberry and the Savannah Morning News's Dennis Knight, join the podcast to discuss the college football playoff, that'll be Mr. Newberry, and the Class 4A State High School title game, which will be Dennis Knight. Today is Tuesday, December the 7th, and this is a Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. We're going to cut to the chase and get to these football interviews. Uh, well, right after I tell you about our sponsor, National Office Systems. If you are a regular listener to The Commute, you know about Scott Center and his team over at National Office Systems and how they are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers such as Dirt Modular Interiors and Herman Miller Office Furniture to create comfortable and productive workspaces. Learn more about National Office Systems by visiting www.natoffsys.com. Again, that's www.natoffsys.com. Now to the interviews. First up is the Associated Press's Paul Newberry to talk the Georgia Bulldogs. Joined on the commute by frequent visitor Paul Newberry. And while he's frequent to the podcast, this is the first time we've had him in the digital flesh as you would say, Ooh. in terms of the camera. <laughs> and we're, we're glad to have him here on the tail end of an SEC championship in Atlanta that, of course, featured Georgia. And to talk about that game, Paul, I think the only place you can start is in one place, and that's Nick Saban. Don't bet against him, right? <laughs> don't bet against him. You got a team that looks like, uh, I'll just use the word, a team that looks like garbage the previous week and not mm-hmm. much better two weeks before that against Arkansas. That came in and basically manhandled supposedly the the greatest the greatest Georgia team in history. Uh, as you're sitting there watching the game, was it just kind of a bit of a stunned uh, a little stunned reality at least for half the crowd? Definitely, uh, I think we were all you know after that Auburn game, you you and and the last month of the season. Uh, I mean Alabama, particularly in the trenches, that's where they you know they've always kind of shined and and. It looked like they were very vulnerable there. Had, you know, all kinds of trouble against Auburn. Yeah, at seven sacks, right? Yeah, barely beat Arkansas. And they only have, you know, one one or two scholarship backs, a couple receivers of note, and that's it, you know. And so you – and Georgia supposedly, as you said, you know, dominating on the both sides of the line. And that's usually – boy, if you're – you know, <laughs> as Nick Saban has proven, if you're the best in the country at, on the offensive and defensive lines, you've got a pretty good team. The way they played on the line, I think, really um, was uh, just really impressive and, and and very unexpected. I mean, you know, it's it's amazing that the way they looked seven days earlier, that they could come back and do that against that Georgia defensive front, especially their offensive line. And, and you know, and they lost Betsy during the game, and they still, you know, threw for 450-something yards or whatever it was. It was, you know, amazing to watch. The same as Williams the previous week, right? Williams gets thrown out of that game mm-hmm. the previous week, and Mechie mm-hmm. steps up. So Mechie gets yep. thrown out. They just they just plug somebody else in, right? Uh, it's it, it, you know, and it didn't look like they had that this year. That maybe they they were young and didn't quite have the depth that they had had in uh, in previous. Uh, yeah, there's the. Uh, I guess the. I guess they gave up um, in previous years, uh, but how they were able to again in a week almost what you saw against Auburn. Right. And to come out against supposedly the best offensive and defensive lines in the country was uh, 
was a pretty stunning, stunning thing to see. Yeah. And we say in a week, but really it was 10 to nothing. Georgia was up 10 to nothing. It was mm-hmm. like it just flipped the switch. They went to TV break. They went to commercial break and they came back and all of a sudden the game, it just, just, yeah, we kind of forget that. Yeah. Georgia actually got out. Uh, of course, we've seen that before in Atlanta, Georgia with a double digit lead on Alabama, haven't we? So <laughs> I guess we shouldn't have been too surprised. And, and I had said earlier in the week, I mean, I like everybody thought Georgia had looked so good this year and they were going to be, you know, Alabama would have a hard time beating them. But I do remember saying, you know, to a couple friends that asked to, about, you know, what I thought. And I said, well, I would pick Georgia, of course, but I, right. I never bet against Alabama and Nick Saban. And I, and I kind of thought, you know, Georgia really needs to kind of eliminate Alabama right here would have been, you know, not have to worry about them in the playoff, a possible rematch, uh, you know, particularly when Saban, you know, has got a little extra time to prepare. So, uh, you know, obviously I think there's a lot of panic in Georgia world right now. (laughs) Okay. We're in the playoff, but Oh my God, now we gotta, we gotta go win a semifinal game and most likely, you know, you're thinking Alabama's going to be waiting there again in a championship game if you, if you, you know, get past Michigan. And the greatest source of that panic probably is who is under center. I mean, we could talk about the defense yeah. and how the defense was exposed. Okay, well, you know what? Maybe they just needed to be hit in the mouth after hitting everybody else in the mouth all year, and they're going to be fine. But the real question is, is Stetson Bennett the guy that's going to be able to, to win you two games, beat a Michigan team that, to me, if they had had Michigan number one, okay. I would not have been surprised or been able to argue with that. And that's coming from somebody who despises Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> I, I despise. Yeah, I <laughs> but the the objective part of me says that Michigan at the end of the season was playing as well as anybody. So they were, they, yeah. are they going to stick with Stetson Bennett, who they stuck with him in the second half? And I found that interesting because if you remember not too long ago, Alabama was losing to Georgia at halftime of a big game and made a mm-hmm. quarterback switch that completely changed around the game. So yeah. I was I was I was wondering if Georgia was going to do that. Obviously, they did not. They stayed with with Stetson Bennett. Are you getting any kind of sense of whether they are going to look harder at JT Daniels for the for the semifinal game, or are they going to keep riding Stetson Bennett? I, I think at this point they're riding Stetson Bennett, although maybe, you know, with a month to prepare or three, four weeks, whatever it is. Um, you know, I think maybe they have some kind of backup plan ready to bring in JT. Uh, I, I took it that Stetson staying in in the second half when, it, you know, everybody's kind of thought they're in the third quarter you know, they'll make a change um, was sort of uh, Kirby showing his confidence and, you know, thinking right. I want him to know he's still the guy going because we're going to be in the playoffs. Um, right. We still got two games to win. So, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of questions about it. You know, is JT Daniels I've done something? Is there some sort of attitude problem, disciplinary issue? You know, why he hasn't. I, I just think Kirby decided this was – the guy, you know, Stetson gives you a little more mobility. Um, and the chemistry. The chemistry. And the right. chemistry. By then, you know, he's played all year and, uh, you know, has played pretty well. I, you know, I, for one, you know, you mentioned that I was not one of the people that thought that was, you know, again, I was looking at a Georgia defense that got shredded. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was more the issue. I mean, it's easy to always look at quarterback and you can't change out your whole defense. So, sure. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, Stetson had a, you know, one bad interception that you can't have down in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other, you know, maybe they're just trying to come back and he's throwing a, you know, more right. of a, a, a death rate and Alabama knows and Alabama's teeing off. But, uh, I, you know, I would think they'll have some kind of plan in place that if they're struggling in the second quarter or third quarter, 
uh, of a of the semifinal game that maybe then we do see JT Daniels come in. Um, but I, I, you know, I, 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 maybe I hate to tell this to Georgia fans, but I think Stetson is Kirby's guy, and I don't think he's going to all of a sudden start JT Daniels in the the semifinal game. Although, you know, again, playing Stetson all year has kind of gone against the grain. So that's right. You know, now we're thinking all of a sudden Kirby, does he do a a completely thing that nobody expects? And he has shown that he will make decisions that maybe, you know, leave himself open to criticism. And uh, so, you know, who knows? All of a sudden he comes out in the arch ball, (laughs) JT Daniels at quarterback. I mean, I always thought I like everybody else just thought as soon as JT is healthy, he's the quarterback. Um, You know, he's the, the, the high school stud, he's the guy, you know, that they that came here that you just you were sure was going to be the quarterback. Uh, so it has been it was surprising to me as we got deeper into the season and it was clear JT was healthy that he didn't get a chance to play much. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Stetson's the guy now. Uh, love, you know, love him or hate him. So uh, and then, of course, now saying that again <laughs> third, pos- third possession of the orange bowl jt daniels comes in so who you know who knows uh, <laughs> you, uh, you know Cur- kirby keeps us guessing and that kind of brings up the other personnel matter here and that's and that is kirby smart <laughs> obviously uh he, he has not beaten saban he's had plenty mm-hmm. of opportunities he's beaten everybody else I mean, yeah. florida georgia tech auburn yeah. everybody else mm-hmm. he, he looks pretty good alabama seems to be a block for him We've seen him make some head scratching decisions, whether it was a fake punt late in the national championship game a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. or going for it on fourth down and long in the third quarter of the game the other day in a game that was still in question. Mm -hmm. Is he, is he just that riverboat gambler? Or do you think maybe there's a little bit of a saving complex or. I I think that's a little bit of his personality. Cause like I said, he seems to be pretty confident in himself that he can make decisions that he thinks, you know, he's not worried about, necessarily the criticism um and you know again i i heard some georgia fans even complaining about it <laughs> you know come on guys you know <laughs> uh you know he's built the second best program in the country probably right now on a consistent basis year in and year out so uh you know he'll probably beat saban eventually uh and maybe it'll be this year but uh yeah that's a that's a hump he's got to get over though I, I i do think now that he's what oh and four um and three of those are very big games and and there could be another one looming uh on january 10th so um whatever whatever's causing that little blockage that that's the one team he can't beat and like you said it's pretty good reason for that uh you know you're, you're going against the greatest coach in college football history maybe the great one the great coaches in you know any sport i mean the the, the dynasty at alabama in the last 13 14 years is almost unbelievable i mean when yeah. You know, we were they always put a stat in the Alabama game notes in the last since the beginning of the 2008 season. They've had three regular season games. They were all in 20 at the end of the 2010 season where they haven't been part of the national championship race during the regular season. I mean, that's, you know, over that long a period. And they've it's won esque. Yeah. And they won, they won six of them. They were runner. They lost in two other title games. I mean, it's uh, almost beyond belief in today's. I mean. To me, there's no comparison to the other great dynasties. I mean, th- now you have to play 12 games. You do have some scholarship limits. You got you got to go through a playoff. You know, he's that whole that whole time he's had to either win a champion a BCS championship game or win two games in a playoff. So that they're the greatest dynasty in college football history to me, bar none. So you know, that's not a bad one that you're having trouble getting over the hump with. But it 
you know, at some point, I mean, I think we're already at that point. That's becoming a little bit, looks like a little bit of a mental block for Kirby. And you do wonder if he gets a little, uh, changes up a little bit when he sees that other guy, you know, his former boss on the other side of the field. Yeah, it can define you. There's no mm-hmm. question. It can define you. So Yeah, and you've got to win. You've got to win. I mean, he's got to win national championships. So he's got to win one. I mean, at some point, they're not going to be. That's the hump they've got to get over. I mean, you know, Clemson did it. And, you know, now Dabo and that program is, you know, recognized. I mean, that's for, you know, Georgia can't truly be, you know, in that elite group until they win a national championship. And, uh, you know, this would be a good year to do it. They've got, you know, it looks like a good position despite what happened the other day. But, boy, now to, to let Alabama back into the mix – yeah. And to possibly have to face them again as uh, that that does add a, a whole new element. I think Georgia fans were very excited. We can just knock it. We'll beat off Alabama and get rid of them. Uh, we'll have to worry about them in the playoff again. And uh, you know, yeah, that's a good. They're that's probably a good they're point. probably gonna they're probably gonna be there, Georgia. If you if you make it to January. <laughs> yeah, that that was a great. That is a really great point because this was their chance not just to 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 exercise some demons, but to knock Alabama out of yes. the playoff. Yes, that that's uh, that's an excellent point. That's a that's a big thing, and and like I said, I I think you know you'd be hard pressed probably to find anybody think Cincinnati is going to beat Alabama. So Alabama is probably going to be sitting there, you know, on January tenth if if you get past Michigan. Which again, I agree with you. I don't think that's a the given that everybody's you know making it to be. But uh, but supposing the two best teams get through again, then you there you go. <laughs> you know, with what basically five weeks after you just got hammered by Alabama. They're going to be standing there again, and that'll be interesting to see how Kirby and his coaching staff get get them mentally ready for that challenge. Well, it's not often I can ask you this because you're usually working these kind of games, but you're not mm-hmm. working either of those games, and I don't know if you mm-hmm. want to make a prediction, but is this is this Georgia's year? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Adam, I'm going to go with the rule that I said, uh, again, when people are asking me last week about the SEC. Right. And never bet against Saban. I don't think ever. So if you if you were just you know put a gun to my head, I would say I think I think Georgia will bounce back and beat Michigan. I think uh, Alabama will beat Cincinnati, and I think Alabama will beat Georgia again for the national championship. So, you know, I think they have. It's almost like to the end. College has become more and more like the NFL. It's such a quarterback driven game, and and yeah, Alabama's I got told the everybody best. the other day too. Despite the criticism of Stetson Bennett, some of it certainly deserved and, and certainly questions about why JT Daniels has not gotten a chance to, to play here the last you know half of the season. But the bigger problem for Georgia the other day was not who they had playing quarterback. It was who Alabama had playing quarterback. That's and very good point. Bryce Young is just stunning. And uh, he's going to be there, <laughs> you would presume, again on January 10th. And you got to figure out a way to stop him. And uh, that's a... Uh, I would. That's why I think Alabama has the edge. They got the best quarterback. Well, I'm going off script mm-hmm. and going with the team that I despise and saying oh, I think Michigan. At, wow, picking because of the world's, how ugly, they the world's are. ugliest helmets. There you go. Right. As, they, as they said one time in the Big Chill, way to go, Bo. World's ugliest helmets. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think their strength along the lines is, uh-huh. is going to give them the edge. They're going to do to Alabama and Georgia what they did to Ohio State, which is still haunts me on a nightly basis. But uh, we'll see. Uh, that would be, I tell you what, if you pull off that, uh, that run that gauntlet, that, that would be a very deserved national title. If they can beat Georgia and Alabama back to back, that uh, that would be well earned. I don't think anybody would dispute it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'll disagree with you. But that's, uh, I like the, 
I like the the riverboat gambler there. That's good. That's right. I could have went with Cincinnati, but I figured out too much. <laughs> now, you know, as much as I, I'm so glad they got in, I, I you yes. know, I wrote a column about a month ago. I said, you know, they're going to figure out a way to keep them out. And I don't, I'm not saying they're one of the four best teams in the country. They were about that far from being kept out. If Oklahoma State, uh, if Oklahoma State had won, they were not in. I, I totally agreed. I went into that last weekend. I said, I hate to tell you folks that the other, if Michigan or Oklahoma State, the two favorites, win their conference championship games and Alabama upsets Georgia. So uh, two of those three things happen. The, the yeah. playoff would have been Oklahoma State, Michigan, Georgia, and Alabama. And Cincinnati would have been five and they still would have been out. But, um, you know, they, they, they did catch a break and I think they deserve it. I don't, I don't know that they're, I wouldn't say they're one of the four best teams in the country, but you know what? They had, a, get a, chance to show they had a big 10 team on it. They can't help it. Indiana was had a terrible year. Yeah, they they Notre Dame on the road and, and beat them a team. That's probably everybody rates as the number six yep. um, in the country. Won that on the road. What more do you, and one, you know, and swept their every other game. I, you know, I, I'm glad they got a, they're getting a shot at it. I think it's, it's very well, well earned. Yeah, and they need to, having earned it, they need to show they belong. And well, it'd be, you know, I think they say everything is, a, you know, coaches always preach, you know, year to year, that it's one year doesn't affect the next year. It's all in a vacuum. Let me tell you, if Cincinnati comes out and gives Alabama a really good game, that changes the dynamic. I mean, we're going to probably have an expanded playoff in a couple of years anyway that probably assures one of those teams gets in. But until, you know, maybe next year, all of a sudden, if one of Cincinnati or Central Florida pops back up or somebody like that, I think it changes if that team has gotten into the playoff and been competitive. So I do think it's uh, not it's something that's for this year, but maybe to change that perception a little bit of those teams. I, you know, the teams that run the money are always going to make sure they have most of, if not all, the spots. But, you know, I do think it it puts a little more heat on a, a selection committee if Cincinnati comes out and not only went 13 and 0, but gives the number one team in the country, the greatest dynasty in college football, a, a, you know, a decent game. I think that changes the outlook going forward for those, you know, the non power five teams. Now we just have to wait 24 days to watch it, but that's the nature of <laughs> it. Have, you know, this is where we're sitting in this gap where we go, you know, I do know schools do have exams, you know, haha, but <laughs> during these periods, but, um, you know, it's this long gap where you go, boy, that that 12 team, 16 team playoff really fits in nicely in this little uh, this little break here, doesn't it? Uh, you know, and I'm of the opinion I'd almost. If you know, I'd almost like to have four rounds of playoffs and use that what's that currently that conference championship week. If you That's need cool. that, use that as the first round played at campuses and, and do it that way if you need to. I mean, some of these conference champions, they're great, but. I'd rather have games that are, you know, win or go home. Uh, Michigan, and that, Michigan that, and that, Iowa wasn't great. Michigan huh? and Iowa wasn't great. No. Wake Forest wasn't great. George Alabama was, really not, great. was not very good. <laughs> I mean, there was one great game there. And so, you know, and, and knowing that Georgia and Alabama, you know, Georgia, whether they in. won or lost, was going to be in it. And, and Alabama might have gotten in with two losses if some other things had happened. So, you know, Cincinnati, I think, had lost or – couple of other I think I still thought Alabama even had a chance if they played well and lost to get to get in so yeah I, I I'd rather just you play your conference schedule add an extra game to it you know make it a nine game like they already do in the you know the Pac-12 and the Big Ten play nine conference games in the SEC the team that's got the best record that's the team that gets that's automatically into the playoff 
there's any other really good team there, you know, you have some wild cards and uh, take care of them. I mean, I'd love to, you know, I hope they do go to at least an eight. I guess they're even talking 12, really. 12, I think um, they're leaning toward 12. Yeah. yeah, which would be, and I think it should be the the conference. I think that conference championships would mean something. Sort of like the NFL, you know, we have some nine and seven or nine yeah. and eight division yeah, champions. Division winners, division yeah. champions mean something, and you get in the playoffs. And I'd like to see, you know, even a team with a couple of losses, but they won a conference, that they get in. And uh, so that's, uh, I'd like to make the conferences champions be automatic you know, one of those, you know, non, you know, the group of five, they should probably at least have one of their, whoever's their best team should automatically get in. And, and then you can look at like six wild cards. Um, and that, you know, that's a, uh, that would be, that'd be pretty daggone exciting <laughs> through December and January. Well, every, every time we talk, it seems like we have some good advice for the NCAA or they don't listen though. When are they going to start listen. listening listen. in on these? We need to, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll patch them in next time. Maybe yeah. get, uh, the president, you know, he can get on and be one of these other little boxes up here. That I'm That's right. At. So, that, That's you know, right. we can then he just he go, God, you guys have got it figured out. So we'll be right eventually. That's what I always say. Yeah. Well, if you just keep saying a lot of stuff, right? You know, that's <laughs> what they, uh, you know, I don't know. A guy, I'm sure you know, Mark Schleyball from uh, ESPN. He was, uh, he's been, he was posting on uh, Facebook, like some of his right predictions from the last two or three years he was like you know these screenshots see guys I, I, I told him I said Mark you're like the guy the gambler the guy who goes to Vegas and has a great weekend and brags about it on nonstop. and then you ask him how'd you do on those other five trips to Vegas this week or this year uh you don't say anything about those <laughs> it just if you just say a lot you some of it's gonna be right it's gotta be you know odds are with you so Marketing. That's the way to That's right. All always great to have you. Uh, enjoy your holidays. Enjoy being able to put your feet up and have a beverage while you watch uh, the Bulldogs. And uh, yeah, that's we'll I'm looking to forward to being. I'll be home and uh, I'm scheduled to go to the championship game. So maybe I'll just I'll my I'll have back to back college football games. That'll be uh, <laughs> Alabama Georgia. Who knows? Good. So we'll see. We and uh, see. we'll recap when it's all done. That all sounds right. Sounds good. Thanks one more time to Paul as we shift quickly from college football to high school in an interview with Dennis Knight. I'm going to spend the balance of today's commute talking about football a little bit more, but this time high school football. And of, uh, in particular, the Benedictine cadets who have advanced to the state title game with a win over North Oconee next week. They will play Friday at 3.30 at the stadium formerly known as Turner Field up there in Atlanta is now the Georgia Southern, not Georgia Southern, the Georgia State University Stadium. And it's got a funky name. And Dennis and I have already decided we're not going to call it by that name. We're going to call it <laughs> used to be Turner Field. And then we're going to leave it. <laughs> but Dennis Knight joins me now. He is our high school sports insider and has been following the cadets, not just this year, but going back several years. And was, of course, was in, in the position that he is in now, when they made their last serious run at state championships, which happened uh, about half a decade ago, 2014, 2016, they won state championships in class double A. Now they are up in class and they are seeking to reclaim the title again. So Dennis, as let's, let's look back a little bit and not just at North Oconee last week, but kind of the whole season. I know that, that this, this team has kind of been building, they've got some talent, but they seem to be, peaking at the right time. Is that a fair way to uh, classify? Yeah, well, they started out with, you know, Coach Britt always tries to give them a really tough uh, non-region sch- schedule to kind of 
preparing for the playoff runs. And they started out with Columbus of Miami mm-hmm. and Buford. And they lost both those games, you know, relatively close games by, I think, two touchdowns each or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, they started a 12-game win streak beating North Oconee during the yeah. regular yeah. And uh, and since then they've just been improving game by game. The defense has really made a lot of big strides, and and the run game, which wasn't at its best those first two games, has has really come along behind Justin Thomas. And it's been they've, they're averaging forty eight points a game. So their offense behind Holden Gurner, who's the senior quarterback committed to Auburn, has just been so explosive. Right. Right. You mentioned uh, Justin Thomas, who, of course, is going to University of Georgia to play baseball. Uh, so you got two really big time athletes at the at the forefront of the offense um, as they've entered this playoff run. What to you has has made the biggest difference? And and does are those same keys that have made the difference the last couple of weeks going to make the difference on Friday for them? Well, yeah, I think their defense has really stepped up. Uh, compared to those first two games of the year with guys like Holden Sapp and Mac Cromenhawk at uh, linebacker. Then they got Bryce Baker at inside linebacker. Those, the two on the outside are seniors. Uh, Holden Sapp's headed to army next year. And, and Mac is getting some, some looks. He's going to be playing somewhere. Bryce Baker had 19, 19 uh, tackles last week against North Oconee. And that, that defense with guys like, Cole Simeon up front has just really been, uh, you know, getting the uh, getting the stops that they need to get the ball in the offensive hands and the offense's hands and, and get things going. Yeah, when you have an offense that scores forty eight points a game, a defense that can kind of hold the opponent to twenty, that's that's doesn't take a math major to figure that one out, right? Yeah, that's a pretty good formula there. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about the opponent. I want to go ahead and plug right now as Dennis does his own podcast, the On the 50 podcast every week. And as we sit here recording this on Tuesday afternoon, that podcast will be up either late Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning. And and he gives a much more uh, complete and comprehensive look at, at BC in this game. But I know you go pretty deep in that podcast on the opposition, Columbus Carver. Can you kind of give us the the, the, the elevator speech on what Columbus Carver is about? Sure. Well, one interesting thing is that they're coached by Corey Joyner, who is also a Georgia Southern alum, like Danny Britt, BC's coach. I guess Britt said he was a senior when Corey was a freshman, so they didn't know each other too well, but they have a lot of respect for each other. But Carver's got it's pretty stacked with talent. They have a senior tackle, Elijah Pritchett, who's six foot seven, two ninety. He's headed to Alabama. Then they have another offensive lineman who's a junior named Kelton Smith. He's 6'5", 300. He has offers from UGA, Florida State, Michigan State. Their quarterback, Devin Miles, he's thrown for nearly 2,000 yards and run for 827 with 20 combined touchdowns. He's headed to Middle Tennessee State. Then they got a running back, Jaden Creedle, who's closing in on 2,000 yards. He needs 22 yards to hit that mark. He's got 26 total TDs. He's got offers from Ole Miss, Syracuse, Central Florida. So these guys, these guys are blessed with a lot of talent and uh, it's going to be, they've, they've lost one game all season and uh, this is going to be a tough one for BC to pull out. It's going to be a great matchup, I think. 
Yeah, two loaded teams, and it sounds like uh, Carver comes in with a strong offense. And as you said, BC's defense has made the difference. It's, it's going to be if they can stand the test, especially against those big boys up front in order to control the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think uh, Cole Simeon, this this uh, junior lineman for the cadets, is really coming into his own. He's starting to get a lot of looks from recruiters, and he had two sacks and, and nine tackles last week, and he's really uh, – really developing at just the, the right time, hitting his, hitting his uh, potential. Whenever BC is good, I, you, you hear it because of work, but you also hear it outside of work, just like I do. We have a lot of uh, friends and acquaintances that are either BC grads or Catholic and have had kids that go through there. And if you look back on that 2014, 2016 runs and compare it to today, does it kind of feel like to you that it's really the excitement is, has kind of been rekindled or does this one feel a little bit different in terms of what you're hearing from the fans? Well, I mean, I think that first one with, with Brad Stewart, you know, as the receiver at Georgia tech and Stevie powers at quarterback, that was real special because that was the first time they, they ever won it. Mm-hmm. And the game was played in the Georgia dome and there was so much excitement about that. And then they went back and did it again in 2016. And, but this team, you know, it's got, it's got so much talent and withholding the quarterback in his final year, these guys last year, they lost in the semifinals to Jefferson four two to 35. And they had a chance to tie it up at the end of the game and hold him through an interception. I think it was uh, Malachi Starks, who's I believe headed to Georgia. But uh, after that game, these guys all made, made this their goal, N- nothing less than a championship. So they're here with a chance to do it now. And it'd be really cool to see them achieve their their goal. Correct me. Are they staying in this classification next year? Or are they moving up or down, or what's? They are staying in Class Four A. Yes. Okay. So they could uh, they could start a little bit of a, a run here. Uh, yeah, this... and they they have the chance to do it. Like the guys like Cole that I was talking about, who's a, a junior, and Bryce Baker, only a sophomore. Then they have. Luke Cromanhawk, who is uh, going to be a junior next year, and he's a great quarterback in his own right. He got an offer from Florida State before he even threw a varsity pass. So he's been behind Holden, playing a lot of uh, strong safety and, and receiver this year, doing a lot to help the team out in other aspects. He's Max's little brother, so he'll be behind center next year. Um, so that quarterback position won't – when a guy goes to Auburn, you think you're losing a lot. Right, right. His kid's already got offers of his own. Right. Wow. Well, 3.30 on Friday, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Georgia Public Broadcasting will be televising that for the folks that can't make the trip. Is that right? Yes, and also ESPN Radio locally, 104.3 FM, will uh, will have the call also. Good, good. So if you want to hear more uh, preview in that game, please dial up Dennis's podcast, the On the 50 podcast that comes from from your friends here at savannahnow.com. And Dennis, have a safe travel up there. Enjoy the game. And uh, maybe we'll circle back on this next week. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Adam. That's all for the Thursday Commute podcast. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. For more interviews with local newsmakers and those who report on them, check out the Commute archives by searching The Commute with that Savannah opinion. Anyway, we will talk to you then. Thanks for listening.